Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem Media of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Jesus is accused of losing one person, the son of perdition, which is none other than Judas Iscariot. And they point to this verse and they say, aha, you see, Jesus said that he guarded them, not one parish, but the son of perdition. Was Judas saved and then lost? Many believe that. Some people claim that Judas was saved and then lost his salvation. But I know of no place in Scripture that clearly tells us that Judas ever trusted Christ. Jesus referred to him as the son of perdition. Only one other person in the New Testament bore that title. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2.3 called the Antichrist the son of perdition. The title signifies someone who's doomed to destruction or lostness. Hebrews 6, in fact, describes someone a lot like Judas, someone who has experienced a certain closeness to God and understands salvation but rejects it. Judas turned aside, no doubt about that, but from what? Today on Verse by Verse, we'll consider that as Pastor Steve Kreloff wraps up a three-part message about the dangers of not believing in eternal security. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. And we found this remarkable series of messages called Safety for the Sheep on audio tapes that date back to 1982. One would expect tapes that old to have suffered some loss of audio quality over the decades, but this topic is so important and the teaching is so clear that it's well worth the effort of restoring them to give you a chance to hear Pastor Steve's solid teaching on the subject of eternal security. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 38-39, and this is one of my favorite Bible passages. He said, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise. That list covers everything but the Creator Himself. So with that promise in mind, let's think about the question Pastor Steve is about to ask. You know, I I ask people who say they can lose their salvation, I say, well, what sin do you have to do to lose your salvation? How far do you have to go? And they don't have an answer. In fact, uh, I heard a pastor not too long ago say that uh, he was preaching to his congregation. He said, you know, it's a lot harder to lose our salvation than... Many of us think he's right. It's a lot harder. It is impossible to lose your salvation. What sin is there in the Bible that says you've lost it? You look at the Corinthians. You couldn't get a church any worse than that. At least I think you couldn't get a church any worse than that. There was incest there. There was wickedness there. There was division like, uh, like, like you wouldn't believe. There was all kinds of problems. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They were acting like gluttons. Paul says, you're saints. He never says, be saved. He said, you are saved. Now live like you're saved. They were into uh, error with their doctrine. All kinds of problems. They, They abused their gifts. They were loveless. I mean, what sin do you have to do to lose your salvation? Don't you think that if there was a sin that would cost you salvation, that God would put it in the Bible so we'd know not to do that? Either this week or next week, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you about Lot. L-O-T. The man Lot was a wicked man, but he was righteous. Do you know that? He was a saved man. 
I had a person recently tell me that uh, this person said, if a person sins, it means they were never saved to begin with. I said, wait a minute, are you saying one sin means that a person is not saved? He said, right. I said, well, let me ask you this. If you uh, go out and you lie after you speak with me, you go out and you, you know, someone says, how are you? And you say, great. And it's not true. You're miserable. I said, does that mean you've lost yourself? What would you do? He said, well, he said, I'd come back to my, to my apartment. He said, I'd get on my knees, I'd repent, and I'd ask the Lord to save me because it means I wasn't saved. I said, well, what do you do about Lot? And I explained, and I'll, I'll hold that for a little bit because I said, what do you do about Lot? And I went through all the sins of, of Lot's life. And he said, well, was Lot saved? And I turned to a passage that says he's righteous. Says he's, I think three times it says he's godly. Or he was righteous positionally before God. What do you do with the Apostle Paul who said, I am the chief of sinners? Not I was, I am the chief of sinners. Was Paul not saved? See, it's ridiculous. We persevere because he keeps us. And we persevere in grace because Christ perseveres in us. That's the, the beauty of this. Now getting back to John chapter 17... If God the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ would ever lose one person, then he wouldn't be all-powerful. Now, people who believe he can lose their salvation often say, point out to us, about a character in the Bible who they say lost his salvation. In fact, a man by the name of Robert Shank in his book, Life in the Sun, who does not believe in eternal security, is a whole book dedicated to uh, attempting to destroy what I'm teaching you. He says this, and I quote directly from him. He said, those whom the Father gave him, Jesus kept, except one. And people inevitably use one character in the Bible who they say Jesus never kept. You know who that is? I'm going to read John 17, verse 12. Just after he prayed, keep them in your name, he said, verse 12, while I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name which thou hast given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, Jesus is accused of losing one person, the son of perdition, which is none other than Judas Iscariot. And they point to this verse, and they say, aha, you see, Jesus said that he guarded them, not one perished but the son of perdition. Was Judas saved and then lost? Many believe that. Many say yes, they claim he lost his salvation when he betrayed Christ. And a verse they often use to prove their point, and I'd like you to turn there so you can see it, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Now, the context of this is that after Judas hung himself and was no longer with the apostles, uh, Peter stands up and says that we've got to have somebody else who take his place. We've got to have 12 apostles. And, uh, and they were choosing between a man named Joseph and a man named Matthias. And verse 24 says, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, who knowest the hearts of all men, show which one of these two thou hast chosen. Good prayer. Show us. Verse 25. To occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Or some versions say from which Judas fell. Now people read this verse and they say, you see, Judas fell or he turned aside. But the question is, what did he turn aside from? What did he fall from? It doesn't say he fell from salvation. It doesn't say that Judas turned aside from salvation. What did he turn aside from? 
the ministry and apostleship. He turned aside from, the, from being an apostle. Judas was never saved to begin with. You say, can you back that up by scripture? Yes, I can. But let me, let me say this. Judas was never saved. This verse does not say he turned aside from salvation. Peter never prayed that. The early church never prayed that. They simply prayed he turned aside from the ministry and apostleship that he had. You say, would Jesus choose an apostle who wasn't saved? Apparently he did. Yeah. Why? Well, that's another message. There are some, some uh, reasons for that. But mainly the scripture had to be fulfilled. Judas was, was one of those people who, like in Matthew 7, 21, 23, he'll say, Lord, Lord, we did this, I did this, I did this. Open up. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Judas never had a new heart. He was never saved. And I'm going to show you that in scripture. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 66 through 71. The Galilean Jews were around the Lord Jesus Christ. They loved it when he fed them. They were called disciples because they uh, were people who were learning from him. Uh, Mostly, I suppose, what they wanted to learn is how they can continue getting free food. But uh, they were not true believers. And to to prove that, let me read verse 66 through 71. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. They did not persevere as a result of what? Well, Jesus is saying he's the bread come down from heaven. He's calling them to, to uh, uh, deny themselves, to commit themselves to him. And when unbelievers hear that, they simply depart. And that's what happened. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Now, Jesus knew they wouldn't go away because they're true disciples. True disciples persevere because Christ perseveres in them. True disciples will never abandon the faith. They may backslide, they may have problems, they may stumble, but they will never totally abandon the faith. And he asked them, are you going to go away? Now, the Lord knew the answer already. He wanted them to say it. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered. Now, Peter's always the spokesman. Sometimes he says good things, sometimes he says things that are not that good. But here he kind of speaks up for everybody, and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Notice the words we there. You have the words of eternal life. And look at his confession, verse 69. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now keep in mind, Peter is not saying, you know, I believe, Lord. I know you're the Holy One. He says, we, I'm speaking on behalf of all 12, we know who you are and we're not going to abandon you. Was that true? No. It was not true. He, if he said, 11 of us believe and we know who you are, he would have been right. But Jesus corrects him in a subtle way, verse 71, or 70. Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, speak for yourself. Don't say we, say I, or say the 11 of us. But don't say we, because one of you is not a true believer. Another passage, and this one is really, really a good one. Uh, John chapter 13. We haven't gotten up to there in our study on John's gospel. But John chapter 13 is very important. Let me explain this. They They were about to have the Passover meal, the Passover Seder. 
In the custom of the day, the, the roads were very dirty, and they had sandals on. They didn't have big boots that would cover up their feet. And so before visiting a friend's home or before sitting down for a meal, uh, they would usually bathe. They would bathe, and uh, this is a picture in this passage of regeneration. Jesus is going to use the, the culture of the day, the bath, to explain that when you're bathed all over, it's like salvation. It's like justification. It's like you're saved. But he said also there's, there's, a, there's feet washing that took place. Their feet were, were dirty, and even though they were clean all over, when they went from one place to another, their feet got dirty, and it was necessary that someone, usually the slave or the, uh, the uh, servant of the home, would wash their feet. And Jesus used that as a picture of the daily cleansing that comes by confession of, of sin and by the word of God uh, washing us clean. And he says in verse 10, Jesus said to him, speaking to Peter again, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. He, in other words, he who is saved only needs daily cleansing for fellowship is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. He said, what he's saying is, you all have salvation except one. All of you are clean. All of you have been saved. All of you have been regenerated except one. Verse 11, for he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. That is conclusive. Judas Iscariot was never clean to begin with. He was never saved. Jesus said, All 11 of you are clean. You're all regenerated except one. And that is the one who will betray me. If Judas was a true believer, he would have repented for betraying Christ. You know, he's very similar to Peter, and I want to show you this. Peter denied Christ, didn't he? Sure he did. He cursed, he swore, he he was bitter. Judas betrayed him. You say, what's the difference? The difference is Peter was a true believer and Judas was not, and so their response was different. Peter repented. Judas did not. Now in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5, in some versions it uses the word that Judas repented. That is not a good translation. Judas did not repent. Had he truly repented, it would have shown that he was a saved man. But let me read it. Matthew 27, verse 3 through 5. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt, and this is how the word ought to be translated, remorse. He was sorry. Sorry that he betrayed an innocent man. He wasn't repentant. And he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed and went away, and he hanged himself. Robert Gromacki says this in his commentary on eternal security, says, what kind of repentance was this? This particular Greek word indicates an emotional regret, not a repentance of moral and spiritual guilt. Judas was sorry over what had happened to Jesus because he did not realize that it would go that far. After being with Jesus three years, he knew that Jesus was not worthy of death. He tried to reverse the trial action by returning the money, but it was too late. In remorse, he hanged himself. If, he had been, if it had been genuine repentance, he would have sought out Jesus or the 11 apostles. Now we get back in John chapter 17. How do you answer the man who said, but verse 12 says, he lost one or he didn't keep one. Let me read that again. I guarded them and not one of them perished but the son of perdition. Why did the son of perdition perish? The answer is this. 
he was never given to Jesus by the Father. Verse 6 of John 17 says this, I manifested thy name to the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Judas was never given to Jesus by the Father. Verse 9, I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but on those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. Judas never belonged to Jesus. That's why he didn't keep him. That's why he never guarded him. Because Judas never had salvation to begin with. But all those who the Father gives, and those who the Father gives come to Christ, those he keeps. Very precious passage of Scripture in John chapter 6. Verse 35, and I just want you to see this, so precious, this passage. Can he keep you? That's the whole point. Yes, he'll keep you. Those he doesn't keep are those who never were his to begin with. Verse 35, John chapter 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. Judas was never given, therefore he never came to Christ for salvation. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He's never going to cast you out. He's going to keep you. And he goes on to say, I'm going to raise him up the last day. You know, that really gets us back to John chapter 10. If you're one of his sheep, he holds you. Not only by Christ's hand, but he holds you by the Father's hand. He's got you and he'll never let you go. What's that song? Jesus got a hold of my heart and he won't let me go. That's not the picture of you struggling to get away from him. That's the picture of, of him keeping you in, in spite of the fact that, that you sin, in spite of the fact of uh, perhaps wandering. You see, he keeps us because he's all-powerful. If he wasn't all-powerful, we could depart. No one's able to snatch you out of his hand. No one. I told you a few weeks ago, and I never shared who it was, but there was a famous pastor years ago who lived in, in England who because of the, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that, that Christ keeps us, he came to know the Lord. You see, maybe you're here without Christ. And you wonder, should I come to Christ? If I come to him, can he keep me? Is that the kind of salvation that Christ offers? Yes, it is. And people have been saved when they understand that salvation is not cheap. And that if you come to Christ, he will not let you go. The man was Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. Charles Spurgeon lived in, in London in the 1800s. He is one of the great men of God throughout the centuries. One of the greatest preachers who ever lived. Spurgeon was saved when he was 15 years old. But before that time, he had already noticed, he was troubled because he noticed there were friends of his who had, be, who had begun life well but made shipwreck of their lives by falling into gross sin. And this was Spurgeon's reasoning. First of all, he was appalled by these things. He feared that he himself might fall into them. He reasoned like this, and this is taken from one of his books. Whatever good resolutions I might make, the probabilities are that they will be good for nothing when temptation assails me. I will be like those of whom it has been said, they see the devil's hook and yet cannot help nibbling at his bait. He said, I will disgrace myself. And Spurgeon didn't want to come to Christ because he thought, I'll disgrace myself, I'll disgrace him, it'll be terrible, I can't hold out. But shortly after this reasoning went on in his mind, he heard the glorious truth that Christ will keep his saints from falling. He was attracted by this. It held a particular charm for him and he found himself saying, 
If I go to Jesus and get from him a new heart and a right spirit, I shall be secure against those temptations into which others have fallen. I shall be preserved by him. And it was this truth, along with others, that the Lord used to bring Charles Haddon Spurgeon to the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust that if you don't know Christ, it's this truth as well as the the very grace of God that will open your eyes that you might see that this is the kind of salvation that Christ offers. Him that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. In no wise, in no way will I cast out. And if you're a believer in Christ, well, then you can rest in that. It ought to spur you on to greater and, and more diligent service for the master. Because grace leads to obedience, not sin. And it ought to encourage you to live a life like that, to be so secure in him, to live like you're secure, and to walk worthy of that high calling that we have. Let's bow for prayer. I don't know the spiritual condition of your heart. Only the Lord does. But I know this. If you're without Christ, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need him desperately. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to a group of Pharisees 2,000 years ago. And he told them about sheep and that they weren't his sheep. But he also said that the way you become a saved sheep is to come to him. Put your trust in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And rest in what he's done for you in dying for your sins. That's the only way to get to heaven. That's the only way to have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. Let us know if you want to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. One who's secure in him. And Christian friend, if if you don't know Christ, or you do know Christ rather, I would encourage you to to come up after. And if you have a, a personal problem and it's a spiritual problem, and we'd like to help you. Maybe you need these, these truths to be grounded and settled. So as I said before, not only will it strengthen your grip, but it will strengthen its grip around you so that you might live as the person you're called to be. Father, I pray that you'll take the truths that we've studied this morning, apply it individually to our hearts. Thank you that you keep us. Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is one who has never lied to us, in fact, cannot lie. I thank you for that. I thank you that our salvation is not, is not resting upon our experience, but upon the written word of God. I thank you for the truths we've seen, and I thank you for your power. And I thank you, our Father, that, that you have given us to the Son, and I thank you for that wonderful security. Deepen us in our appreciation for all that we have in Christ. And if there are some here without the Lord Jesus Christ, draw them to yourself that they may come to know you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I am grateful beyond words for God's compassionate and powerful grace that will never let me go. I can serve him with complete abandon, not having to fear for my eternal future. This concludes another message in Pastor Steve Kreloff's series on eternal security, safety for the sheep. There are five more messages in this series, which we will air over the next 14 or 15 broadcasts. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. They have a very informative website at www.lakesidechapel.com. Or better yet, stop in some Sunday if you're in town. Lakeside's address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Lakeside offers free CDs with Pastor Steve's messages on them, so to ask for your own, just give them a call at 727-239-0306. If you want to hear the message we just concluded, ask for message 7269, Dangers and Not Believing, Part 2. 
That number again is 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is Lakeside's way of making Pastor Steve's expository or verse by verse teaching available to a wider audience. We stay on the air with the help of listeners like you who give over and above their regular offerings to their own churches. If these Bible classes of the air are helping you in your Christian walk, would you ask the Lord if He wants you to help fund these broadcasts? You can find out how to do that on the giving tab on our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have today's and many previous broadcasts available on the website at versebyverseradio.org. You might also want to give this radio station's manager a call and tell them how much you appreciate hearing this program. I'm Jerry Peterson. So far in this series, we've been dealing with the debate over eternal security and the danger of not believing in it. But how do we defend it? Pastor Steve has given us some clues over the past several days, but suppose someone who believes it's possible to lose our salvation told you, I know someone who used to be a Christian. In fact, he was a pastor, and now he totally rejects Christ and says it's all a myth. What do you say to that? Or... To make it even more personal, suppose this person said, I used to be a Christian, I was baptized, I taught Sunday school, I was an elder in my church, but now I know it's all a 